Hey guys, welcome back to Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism. I'm Eleni. I'm Jeffrey. And today we are discussing episodes four and five of Gilmore Girls. Of season three. Which Jeffrey will not provide us with the titles. Ah, yes. Uh, One's got class and the other one dies. Mm-hmm. But dies spelled how, Jeffrey? D-Y-E-S. Good job, Jeffrey. As in, you know, dye your hair. Ha ha. <laughs> and the other one is eight o'clock at the oasis yeah i totally do not have these in front of me i'm that's just me remembering because i'm just like so good with episode titles amazing muscle memory just and <laughs> just comes you, you do that it's funny because i like usually have such a good memory for for things like that but for some reason with gilmore girls i never remember the episode titles like it's like some kind of pathological inability that i, I just can't remember them yeah, well, thank God you have a Gilmore Girls podcast. Oh, yeah, with the, you know, w- with a competent co-host who can fill in the blanks. Oh, yeah, since your sarcasm, young man. That's what she's here for, ladies and gentlemen. Fucking rude. Okay. <laughs> uh, before we jump into the episodes, first of all, how you been? Uh, how have I been? How have they been? How have you been? Uh, I'm okay. Uh, I've been better, you know, I could do without this whole pandemic, but... Yeah, so you guys don't know this, but I haven't seen Jeffrey, like, physically seen him since when, Jeffrey? I feel like it was March. I feel like it was the last time you came over to record season two. It's fucking craziness, insanity. We haven't seen each other for a very long time. Actually, the last time I saw you was the day that you lost the second episode. Oh, stop. (laughs) (laughs) And then we had to re-record, so, like, the last time... Yeah, so we only have one episode from that day, and that would have been the last time I saw you. Stop! Yeah, and the next one we did over Skype, yeah. It was the first episode we did over Skype. That was practically four months ago. That's crazy to me. We went from seeing each other, like, every two weeks. Yeah. To, I've moved since then. True. I was going to say, uh, we, we no longer live in the same city. No. In the same province, even. So why don't you go and tell them about... All- all about your fancy new job. I mean, it's not that fancy. <laughs> um, I suffer from something called imposter syndrome. Uh-huh. I know it well. Yeah, I was telling Jeffrey about this. It's like, I started this new job, and they're, like, talking about a bunch of things, and I'm like, mm-hmm. You know, you do that nodding. Yeah. And you're like, In theory, you know what you're talking about, but, like, you feel way out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I just keep thinking, like, my boss is going to wake up one day and be like, we made a big mistake in hiring her. Um, it's slowly, slowly getting better. I'm starting yes. to have more confidence in myself. I told you, don't listen to that bitch. She's lying. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of something that, um, well, we're, you know, we're big drag race fans, but that Katya said mm-hmm. in All Stars when she was doing the interview with Michelle Visage and uh, RuPaul. Yes. And she's like, in my season, I was very neurotic and I was very like high strung or whatever. And she goes, I found a system that makes it better. Mm-hmm. Because now that voice in my head, I ignore her. I call her Brenda. <laughs> and I just say, Brenda, shut the fuck up. <laughs> that's where it, that's where it comes from. Anytime that I say Brenda, I got it from Katya. So I'm literally stealing I, her line. When I first heard that, my mind was blown. I'm like, I didn't know it could be so simple. But you can just say, like, shut the fuck up, Brenda. <laughs> or it's whatever awesome. name you want to name that voice in your head. Honestly, it's because we most of us live so long with, like, under the thumb of that voice that it's, like, once you finally learn and grow and realize that, like, hey, that bitch is lying to me, you can be like, shut your mouth, you dramatic troll. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> that being said, it's a process. Uh, yes. It, you don't just wake up one day and have the ability to say, shut the fuck up, Brenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, but every day is getting better. Well, that's good. That's, that makes me somewhat reassured. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just uh, going through the motions. It's a weird time to move during a pandemic, but you know. That's, uh, an, that's an understatement. Yeah, we got to do what we got to do. And mm-hmm. um, I had to move, I had to move. <laughs> uh, so I did. And I've been here a month. I can't believe it. It's already been a month. We were just talking about this right before we started recording. It feels like yesterday. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. It's been a month and time flies. I don't know if I'm, like, I find myself saying time flies a lot lately. Yeah. Because I'm getting older. <laughs> or if a lot of people feel that way. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's different for me because I think on some level, I still think of myself as a child, even though I'm not, as you know, because you know that I say, I don't, I don't deserve this. I'm a child. And you're like, you're literally 22 years old. Stop saying that. Little shit. Yeah. So, um, asking me about, about the passage of time is like a really loaded, uh, question. So we're just going to move on past that one. I'm going to take a pass on that one. Got it, got it, got it. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> there's some other little things that I just wanted to touch on before we got into the episodes. Like masks. Like masks. Um, wear a mask. <laughs> I know it's hard. It's, it's a really hard concept for some people to grasp. Okay. You know, hold on. You're laughing, but today we got a an Instagram comment. Oh, did we? Did you see it before it was deleted by the person? I did not. Okay, so I'm sharing it with Jeffrey and with the world. So Jeffrey yesterday posted um, an edit from um, well, an edit from Legally Blonde. And before you continue, I have to just say I was personally offended by the person who commented saying, "What what show is this from?" Okay, relax, you. Off our page, ma'am. Off. No, ma'am, come back. <laughs> <laughs> come back. Okay, no. Um. So yeah, Jeffrey posted um, that it was a Legally Blonde edit of um, Reese Witherspoon. That scene in Legally Blonde where Reese Witherspoon um, like makes her appearance at Harvard, mm-hmm. and her ex-boyfriend's like, "You got into Harvard Law," and she's like, "What? Like it's hard." Mm-hmm. And so instead of the Harvard Law scene, she's wearing a mask, and her ex-boyfriend is like, "You wear a mask in public," and she says, "What? Like it's hard." Mm-hmm. So. Um, so going to the comment that we got today, so a lot of people were liking it, saying, yes, you go, like, I don't know, agree, whatever. Um, the comment that we got today said, um, it is hard if you have anxiety. Oh, you want to go down that path? Oh, you want to go there? Ashpet, wait, stop. <laughs> I said Ashpet because this lady at my work said it to me today, yesterday, I mean. Um, so funny. Yeah, so I commented back in a very respectful way, like, Jeffrey and I also have anxiety, <laughs> but yeah. you know what gives us more anxiety? <laughs> going People out- not wearing masks, bitch. Yeah, going outside without a mask and potentially infecting ourselves and other people. And Thank then you. They- and then they deleted their comments. Mm. That seems to be a recurring theme with us, doesn't it? I know, I don't understand. Like, if you have the balls to post it, have the balls to keep it there. Mostly it's Dean fans who, like, don't want to argue and then they delete their comment. And because it's rude most of the time. Yeah. But. Like that lady who called us assholes. 
<laughs> or wasn't it she it was like you, you you took a screenshot of like the Gilmore Girls confess page and you said like this confessor would hate the podcast yeah and she was like yeah. and she was like I already hate your podcast like who do you think you are I'm like this is this is a free country I'm like okay lady calm down take two giant steps back anyways so um yeah so that was that person's two cents um it's not hard to wear a mask I know a lot of people think they have a hard time breathing in it. Um, debunked. Mm-hmm. People have literally been taking their oxygen levels with the mask on. No change. Yep. Um, and if you don't care about other people, which is a mind-blowing concept to me, by the way, if you mm-hmm. don't care about other people, at least care about yourself. <laughs> yes. Um, However. Yeah. Um, going back to the not being able to breathe thing, 100% debunked, obviously, by the oxygen Um tanks yeah. and people using it with with a mask on you also have never have you never been to a hospital and seen someone taking oxygen with a mask on like that's literally a hospital staple is it not yeah well like more or less depending on what on like what unit or ward you're in yeah well i mean that's i mean they don't take so the cloth masks that we're using now or the medical masks whatever it is yeah um are breathable like it's fine <laughs> you have enough oxygen and honestly I no, and I'm sorry like I understand some people like everyone's different you know um I have allergies it's really hard for me to breathe in the summer as it is and like that was definitely a concern of mine when it came time to summer and wearing a mask yeah. but I'm sorry for I know for a fact like 90% of people hide behind it's hard for me to breathe in a mask and that's just that's just you not trying hard enough. Uh, don't mean to offend, but like you just you're, you're just not trying hard enough because I understand it's uncomfortable and inconvenient. But like you saying I can't breathe in that, that's just you not trying hard enough. Like you're not like just put it on and like give it a second. You'll it's really not that uncomfortable. You'll get used to it. Yeah, you really do get used to it. And I feel like uh, for a lot of people, it's not just that they can't breathe. It's more of the fact that they're uncomfortable with a piece of cloth on their face. Which, like, I get it. If yeah, I make, it's if not I a make quote, for anyone, but we got to do it. If I may quote for a second Jennifer Aniston's Instagram post from yesterday that Thank I shared you. on both my page and the podcast page, um, she, she literally makes clear. She says, I know that it's inconvenient and uncomfortable to wear a mask. Nobody is negating that. You think people want to be wearing masks uh, for, people, for ugly people who want to hide their face? Yes, it's a, wel- it's a welcome addition. However... It's not, we don't want, we don't want to be doing this. This is a, this is a precaution and in, in a situation, a global situation where there's so little that we can, con- we can control, wearing a mask is the one thing, like the one precaution we can actually take that we can have control over and people still won't do it. And that's what just boggles my mind. And I've actually had to learn to compartmentalize all of my feelings towards masks because it will literally be my detriment and I will not sleep for a week. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, the other argument that I really just have to laugh at a lot, mm-hmm. argument of like the government can't tell me what to do with my body, and I'm like, hey, welcome to women's world. I know. <laughs> like, I... If you're offended that the government's telling you to wear a cloth mask so that you don't die and other people don't die, imagine if the government told you you have to carry a baby to term, and then keep it, and then like birth it and potentially keep it. Like, come on. It's I have to take comical a at this point. It's comical. Take, yeah, it is comical. I have to take a deep breath and look away because it's, I just, you know, like, no, I can't. 
this okay. idea, we've said it before, but this idea that the rules apply to other people but not you is a truly, truly selfish um, way to live. <laughs> yes. I actually made I actually made a woman at work the other day laugh by saying that. So um, I'm currently a cashier in a store, and that's really fun during a pandemic. But it's not so bad. Like, the owner of the store is, is very... Um, like what's he's very uh, generous and uh, like will always side with us over his over the customers. Like he openly hates customers, so he will always side with his staff. Um, but so he so he he put a sign at the cash saying like there's we have a zero tolerance policy for any verbal abuse or aggression. Mm-hmm. And so I'm pretty sure he put that there before anything had actually happened. But I but I do know for a fact that like back in April when we weren't like we weren't open to the public like our, the store was open and we had someone at the door taking orders but we weren't letting people in the in the store like physically i knew there was a few people then who were saying like well why bother you being open i can't come in blah, blah, blah. and it's like they would get a little uppity but like emphasis on a little because that was nothing in comparison to the woman who went berserk on me last weekend yeah, you told me about this. So there was this woman who came into the store. And before, like, leading up to this incident, I was very vigilant and telling people, like, please follow the arrows on the floor. Like, one way is in, one way is out. Like, please pay attention. And so in the, like, in the mall where this store is, it's, like, very popular with older people and elderly because there's a lot of old folks' homes around this mall. So... You know, when you work, when you like are serving a lot of older people, you have to, you know, speak up, like speak in a louder tone so they can hear you. And sometimes they won't hear you. So you have to repeat yourself. And so I'm very used to repeating myself until until like someone like I'm seeing that you're registering what I'm saying, you know. So this one woman comes in, like comes in the outdoor or the outway instead of the inway. And I stop her and I say, like, could you please just follow the arrows and go around the other way? And she's like, not looking at me and like not like not really paying attention. So I said it a few more times, like thinking maybe she didn't hear me. Maybe she's older. And so she pulls like her own hand sanitizer out of her bag. And she's like, oh, I have my own. It's fine. And like, personally, I'm not chasing after you to sanitize your hands. Like, that's on you and God. Like, I'm not like I can't chase after people. Like, I can't play cashier and chase after people. Like, no. So up until this point, I was only just telling people to please follow the arrows. And so she's making a whole big deal. And I'm like, she's like, I, I heard you. You told me four times. Are you having a bad day? Has it been no, really hard for you? Me. I know, right? Oh, my God. She's like, are you having a bad day? Has it been really rough for you? I'm a frontline worker, too. I work at the aviation company. I'm like, what is that? Okay, and how so is that a frontline worker? That's not a frontline worker. And I had to bite my tongue. I was literally like going into silent mode because you want to talk frontline worker lady my mom is a nurse on a covid floor you want to talk that's literally the front line that people are talking about that's yeah, so the actual front line yeah i think people confuse frontline work workers with essential workers yes yes exactly so you're not a frontline worker no even if you are a frontline worker you can't just walk into a store and do whatever the fuck you want <laughs> No, exactly. And I would, and like, for example, I would never ever describe myself as a frontline worker. I'm an essential employee. And even now, like, that's kind of out the window because more or less everything is open now. So, yeah. like, two months ago, I would have told you I'm an essential employee, but that's not really the, you know, the the, the language anymore. Mm-hmm. So, this woman threw a whole fit and then she, like, tried to play nice coming out of the store. She's like, 
oh, you know, you guys are doing a great job. It's hard, eh? Blah, blah, blah. Like, kind of, you know, trying to apologize while also including it's hard for everybody, kind of, you know? It's not hard like, uh, don't try and play nice with me <laughs> after you literally just cause a scene and people are staring. So since that happened, like there's a lot of people come into the store and they ask like, oh my gosh, is, you know, have you actually been getting some violent, some like verbally aggressive people in yes. here? I'm like, up until that point, I was like, yeah, a little bit, you know, whatever. And then now when they ask, I'm like, well, listen to this. <laughs> so I tell the story of how this woman yelled at me and it gets it gets a lot of sympathy. I don't tell it to get sympathy. I just tell them because they ask. And the other day, this woman, this older woman, was asking me a lot of questions about like, oh, which is good for that, which is good for this. So like, I'm helping her find what she's looking for. And then she gets to the cash, and she's like, it's so sad that we live in a world where we have to put a sign that, sign like this at the cash. And that she was the first person who like approached it like that, saying like, it's sad we have to have a sign like this, not, oh my gosh, you have like ver like verbally aggressive people. No, no, it's sad that we have to put a sign because there are verbally aggressive people. Yeah, um, no, so, I get it. It's, I, I screen at the hospital now. Yeah. One shift a week, we have to do like screening at the door and like mm -hmm. make sure people are sanitizing their hands and like ask them, what they're there, like visitors have to ask them what they're there for and check the appointment list, you know? Yeah. And so there's two things. One is I always get doctors. If I'm on the staff side, I always get doctors who pretend to put the sanitizer on. Oh my and then God. I hear this when their dry hands are rubbing together. You know this sound? Yeah. Do you hear it? <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. And I'm like, sir, you obviously didn't put sanitizer. But like, if I have to explain to a healthcare worker that you have to fucking put sanitizer, I'm so done with you. That's um, sad. That's the definition of sad. Yeah. And like, we have we have patients coming in all the time that are just so inconvenienced by the fact that I have to double check um, that they're going where they say they're going or whatever. Um, just It's two seconds. Just let me check your fucking name. And I'm asking you to wear a mask. Put the mask on. This lady was like, no, I'm not wearing a mask. I'm like, well, you, if you're not wearing a mask, you can't come in the hospital. <laughs> like, I'd love ridiculous. to have that job. She's like, that's ridiculous. I'm like, okay. Take it up with my boss. Yeah, you, that's, I go to her, that's hospital policy. That's it, you know. Um, I had another lady come in with her mom, and they were both going for an appointment at the same doctor. And her husband was behind them. And I was like, oh, well, your husband can't come in. Um, what do you mean he can't come in? He just needs to use the bathroom. I'm like, yeah, but we have a no visitor policy. It's only essential people that have to come into the, the hospital. She went off, you guys. <laughs> she was oh like, you guys have no compassion. We've been on the highway for an hour. Oh, poor you. I'm like, there's a Tim Hortons down the street that are letting people go to the washroom. He can go there. And it's not like he was an elderly man. He was in his 30s. Oh, my God. Are you for real? Like, I'm just, like, part of me is very, like annoyed and another part of me is like I want to wield my power and if she tells me I have no compassion I'd be like you're right I have no compassion oh I'm sorry we're all supposed to drop everything because your husband has to pee so all I did was tell her like listen it's actually more dangerous for him inside because we have COVID patients does he want to use the same toilet as COVID patients oh my god she yeah goes, why don't you go right ahead He go she goes oh really you guys have COVID patients okay maybe it's better then I was like yep Oh my God! What kind of privileged bubble do people live in? I really can't. I can't. I can't do it. Anyways, that's it. That's we should move on because I could talk about this all day. I yes. stream eight hours a day every week, and like I see all kinds. 
But in conclusion to my nice encounter with this lady, she was like so polite, very like very calm and collected, and like doesn't really doesn't really like seem to me the kind of person who would you know talk in like casual everyday language. And so she, I'm talking about the woman who yelled at me, blah blah blah. She's like giving me such like a sympathetic look and like a grin and everything. And as, as she leaves, takes her bill in her bag. She's like, if anybody fucks with you, you call me. <laughs> I'm like, thank you, best friend. Please oh, come back. <laughs> so funny. It reminds me of the um, the video I saw when coronavirus first started. Yeah. And there was this lady talking in her car, this older woman. And she's like, um, she goes, this lady stopped me in the grocery store and told me, do I really believe the hype of coronavirus? Why am I wearing a mask? And I felt like telling her, I'm wearing a mask because my daughter's a frontline worker. I'm from Chicago. Don't fuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, I love this lady. I would do anything for you. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyways, I can go on and on about this all day, but we shouldn't. As can I. Let's get into the episodes. Yes, episode let's dive four. into episode four. One's got class and the other one dies. So, so I have a question for you. Yes, tell me. If you meet if you meet Jesus on the street, what are three questions you want to ask him? Um, what the fuck is COVID, Jesus? <laughs> And also, uh, Jesus, why is Mrs. Kim so mean to her daughter? That too. <laughs> and my last question for Jesus? Yes. Why'd you make the Trump family? That's a good question. Unfortunately, I don't. we don't have an answer. Yeah. Well, let's just um, hope Lane's questions were better for her college application. It wasn't even Lane's questions. Her mother was filling out her college applications. Literally. I feel really bad for Lane in this episode. So let me just say, this this episode moves more towards Lane's storyline. Yes. It's very Lane-centric. And I like when Lane has a leading storyline in certain episodes. I do, too. Is this one of them? Yeah. Well, like, her, okay. like her storyline is, like, the central of the, of the episode, I would okay. say. Okay, got it. Yeah, I like it, too. It's like a break from the the drama, should I say? The will they won't they between Rory and Jess, the like break from Lorelai and Emily bullshit, you know, yeah. like stuff. It's a welcome. At the time, yeah. At the same time, I can kind of see like 11 year old Eleni being like, no, one more episode where they don't get together. <laughs> now, I'm, as a 28 year old, I appreciate it. Yes. Um. So we meet Zach and Brian for the first time. True. I forgot yeah. this was their first appearance. Yeah. What are your first impressions of Zach and Brian? So um, I was going to, like, you know, compartmentalize again with my feelings about Zach until, you know, seasons four and five. Yeah, and but he's not hes not the Zach that we know in four and five now. He's just Zach, a bandmate. Yeah. So be was, yeah, because I was gonna say when we when we get to seasons four and five, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to uh, dissect Zach's toxic masculinity, but that's a different story. Yeah, we're not getting into that now. <laughs> First impressions, um, I, I think I always kind of thought Zach was an asshole. Yeah. Poor Brian with his deviated septum, though. Brian, Brian has always been a sweetheart. <laughs> it's weird that like a kind of like geeky personality like that is in a rock. A rock band. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. It's not the the image that we usually have. No. But um, yeah, I definitely like Brian way more than Zach at this point. But um, I, still, I still I still think that like Dave, Zach, and Brian don't really gel. I'm like I don't see their I don't see the friendship. No. I don't see the connection. Like that's why I'm like 
I, every, the more I rewatch season three, I'm like, Dave Rogowski falls out of this equation. Like, why is he here? Oh, see, I see the opposite. I think at this point, if we erase everything we know about Zach and Dave and the storyline, mm-hmm. I think Brian is the odd man out right now. Yeah. If yeah, if if we if we like pretend seasons four and five don't exist yet, I would say yes. If you're watching it for the first time, don't. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> I would, yeah, no, I would say, like, the first time that I watched it, I thought, like, obviously, Dave belonged. Now, But now I'm, like, having seen it 300 more times, I'm, like, Dave Rogowski is boring and pointless. Not pointless, but just bleh. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Bleh. That's my, that's my opinion on Dave Rogowski, bleh. Okay, okay. Um, I do think it's nice that Lane has a crush, though. Like, I, I, yes, I like that part of it. I just, I don't know. The character bugs me. Okay. Long pause. Is there something specific that bugs you? Not... At this point, like... Okay, well, the actor's voice bothers me. God, we're getting <laughs> I don't know. It just, like, has a... I don't know. It just bothers me. Um, I don't know. It's just maybe because... Like the, the we don't really get much closure between Dave and Lane in the yeah, end. I couldn't forget that. What about him now in episode five of season three bugs you? Um. Okay. If we're gonna let's like eliminate all the other puzzle pieces and just look at this one. Um. That's a good question. Let's see. I don't know. It just bugs me. <laughs> that's great. That's great. I'm a fickle bitch. What can I say? What can I say? All right, so um, the whole premise of the episode is that Lane feels very stifled by her mother. As would I, wouldn't you? Honestly, this is one of those episodes where it's too much. Like, sometimes I can understand Mrs. Kim and her rules and she's strict and whatnot. But this one is just like, ugh. Like, you didn't even bother to ask her what kind of college she wanted to go to. You didn't even, like... I get the impression like she does she doesn't want to hear her out at all, you know? No, I hate I, personally I hate how much Mrs. Kim refuses to know like actually know her daughter. Yeah. Like what kind of mother just doesn't really ask or check in with their children? Like that's just a really repressive like rigid void of a family if you ask me. Yeah, no, I don't know what it is in this episode it's kind of sad because like I know strict parents. Mm-hmm. I I don't think strict like I would. <laughs> I can't speak. <laughs> Even the strictest parents that I know, like you can still listen to music that you want to listen to. <laughs> yeah, or it's like you're not you're not they're not, they're not gonna hear perverted music from a football field away. And yeah, run. Exactly. you know what I mean. Like it's it's too much sometimes, you know. Yeah. Like, oh, we don't have 7-Up. We have something called salad water. And, like, we make, in another episode, she mentions that she makes, like, these tofu snacks. Like, you know, like, it's too much. It's too much. Do you really expect your teenage daughter living in America not to want to eat a French fry every once in a while? And how, like, Mrs., like, there's there's certain moments where you, like, see the humility in Mrs. Kim where she's like, oh, I get it. Or, you know, like, like, later in the season when... Dave thinks she's quoting the Bible and it's really Shakespeare. And she's like, I'm allowed to read other things, you know, or. Um, yeah, but I have a hard time rectifying that Mrs. Kim with this Mrs. Kim in this episode who's being so stifling that she's like 
she filled out what it was it 17 applications for her daughter to seven day adventist fucking schools yeah where richard nixon is still on the promotional brochure <laughs> and uh no and and um boys and girls can't sit together in the cafeteria because those are the party schools god i can't and like she got guidance from her reverend and i'm not saying that these are bad things by the way but it's it's bad that you're it's a okay if mrs kim had done that because that was something her daughter wanted Mm -hmm. that's one thing but but, but, oh god (laughs) i'm just having a very hard time because i'm just like poor lane i know and I, but I like how, I like how, for the most part, all of this, like, unresolved hostility between Lane and her mom kind of goes unresolved until it all comes to a head in season four. And that's, like, one of my favorite moments of the whole show, because, like, we've seen this for, you know, by that point, three and a half seasons, and it's, like, yeah. it finally all comes to a breaking point. Yeah. And, and yeah. Sorry, it's just. It took four years, like, for everything to come out. Yeah. Um, Lane just doesn't know how to talk to her mom. But I do kind of like how in seasons, like, five, six, and seven, how Mrs. Kim comes around in the end. Yeah, definitely. But I think at this point, when she, Lane's so young and she's having such a hard time talking to her mother, it's really heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I think I kind of want to shake Lane sometimes. Because I think it's partly her personality that she doesn't want to be confrontational with her mother and she wants to please her mother. I mean, she says it in this episode, right? She's like, I've always been the good girl who does what she's told. Yeah. But at a certain point, like, you're 17 years old, just talk to your mom. But I, think, I also understand why she can't, knowing what Mrs. Kim is like. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I think that personality was groomed by Mrs. Kim because, yeah. her, because her mom never never created an environment or an atmosphere where if she felt safe to talk to her mom about these things. So, you know, it's one thing to say it's not her person. It's not her personality to be confrontational, but it's another to then expect her to feel comfortable being confrontational with her mom because her mom never like instilled that or never, never allowed it to flourish or, you know, like expression was never a thing in the Lane household. Yeah, I was going to say, she never even gave her the option, you know. (laughs) Um, It's just really sad. It makes for some really funny, uh, it makes for a really funny episode, Mm -hmm. but it's also very sad. Um, It leads to Lane dyeing her hair purple. Yes, but before we get, since you just mentioned Lane and sad, for me, like the saddest Lane moment on Gilmore Girls is... In season four, when I know what you're gonna say, <laughs> when she's already moved, or when she's like moved out or been kicked out, and she, I think it's when she noted, like she notices, yeah, it's when she notices that Mrs. Kim has an ex- a new exchange student, and she's all like uptight and like that's my second, that's my least, what is it, second least favorite scarf? Yeah, whatever it is, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, oh, I was. I thought you were gonna say another moment. I, well, the sad moment was when she goes. She goes into the house while everyone's asleep, and she like, <laughs> so like touches her mom's cheek, and she's like, because she like she still loves her family, but it's just like she doesn't feel at home there. But that's the problem, I think, when it all comes to a head in season four. It's like she she would. She wants so badly to stay with her mom, but not if it's going to mean stifling her that much, you know? No. Because you're right. It's a, it's it's too much. Like, there's there's strict parents and there's Mrs. Kim. Like, they're stifling your children to the point of not letting them breathe. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. And in a way, like, in this episode, I kind of saw the parallels between Lane and Lorelai. Oh, yeah. Um, maybe not to the same extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Lorelai did something drastic. <laughs> she got pregnant. But it, it's late. for Lane, it's pretty drastic after growing up with Mrs. Kim, right? Mm, yeah. Um, but, yeah, we can talk all about the parallels between Lane and, Mrs. Uh, Lane and Lorelai. Um, when everything goes to shit. <laughs> but speaking uh, speaking of Lorelai parallels, it's interesting you brought that up because I also thought in this episode we get to see again how similar Lorelai and Jess are because Lorelai figures out right away there's a girl in the closet. And not only that, like one of this episode. So first of all, can I start before? <laughs> yes, go ahead. So Lorelai, when you know when Shane walks into the diner and Lorelai says that girl's a freak. Yeah. Why? Um, you know, that, that's kind of judgy. However, I mean, no, but I mean, does she have any reason to think she's a freak? No. Is she like on Rory's side? Maybe a little, but isn't that like, isn't that supposed to be like a mirror of the line at the end where the Shane then says that girl's a freak referring to Rory? Yeah, I get it. But like, what is Lorelai's motivation for calling Shane a freak right now? Because Lorelai's bitchy and so are we. There we go. Okay. <laughs> that satisfied me. Um, yeah, so when Lorelai goes upstairs to help Luke change or whatever the fuck she helps him do. Yes. I still think that whole thing is weird, by the way. Well, yeah. Like, go yeah. wear this shirt, put on a tile, buy you a toy. Like, oh, you can't <laughs> see you're not flirting with him. Like, just kissing, just kissing, got a room already. Seriously. But, um, you know, Jess is trying to make conversation. Yeah. And if you actually listen to, if Lorelai actually, like, got to know him a little bit, I feel like they would like each other. But Lorelai never bothered. Like, Lorelai, ne- we we've already discussed this to our blue. I know we've already discussed it, but in season three, it's a little bit more shitty, I find. Because I like, in yeah. season two, she didn't like him for reasons because he talked to her badly and he she bro- he apparently broke Rory's arm and blah, blah, blah. But then, like, your daughter clearly has a crush on him and they're going to date and you still don't want to talk to him? No, you're right. She didn't make any effort in season three. Like, just like the lady is not making an effort with the mask, Lorelai is not making any effort with Jess. True. Valid. Valid. I know. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Lorelai and um, Luke are going to give a talk at the high school. Yeah. Can we talk about Debbie Fincher, please? I wrote it in my notebook. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Why does she dress like it's 1996? Okay, okay well, relax. It's still 2002. I know, but I was going to say, like, why does she dress like... Uh, a mom from Seventh Heaven, and I'm like, that's because it was on the same network as Seventh Heaven. But like, it was just, it just well, looks. That's your own question. It just stands out so much. Like, ugh. And I'm so glad that Lorelai says in the end, like, you know what, Deb? Uh, Deb. Uh, turns out all of you go to the same shitty hairdresser. Yeah, that um that moment was like I really want to say you go, girl, to Lorelai. Mm-hmm. Like, how dare you judge her? How dare you judge her parenting skills? Yes, on the one hand. However, um, like, it's just such blind ignorance and, and, like, just ignoring of the fact that these kids clearly already had teen pregnancy on the brain, but somehow it's Lorelai's fault for bringing it up. Like, they were going to bombard her. But when Lorelai tells Debbie Fincher, she's like, you were in the room, you saw, like, they wouldn't stop, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Change the subject. Like, it's not that easy. Like, what are they, six? 
Oh my god. Anyways, but like she got the whole like squad involved. I know. The blonde lady squad. I think Debbie is what people on the Twitter are calling a Karen. Yes. Debbie is pre Karen. <laughs> Karen before it was cool. Oh my god. It's true. <laughs> she brought her army of Karens. You've seen the light. Oh, it's all making sense now. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't I... like that ambush. No, I don't either. Also, I didn't like the fact that Luke was laughing. Or, like, Luke didn't really, like, jump in to defend her or anything. The defending is not so much a problem for me because I think Luke knows that Lorelai's capable of fighting her own battles. True. Like, he knows she's fine. It's not the big deal. But that he was laughing at her. Yeah. I mean, I get it was kind of payback for the fact that she was laughing at him because of Butch Danes. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, terrible fucking nickname. Butch Danes, everybody. No, it's fucking terrible, that nickname. Oh, mamma mia. <laughs> um, not a good episode for Lorelai. No. I mean, we do kind of see her people skills and that she's good at, like, you know, having people, certain people at her disposal, especially, like, when she says, oh, I, like, ask Debbie on the phone, like, how's Kathy doing? And then she can put the phone down because, you know, she's, like, rambling about her kid. Like, I thought we could... S- but in terms of, like, Luke and Lorelai, I'll have to agree. Yeah. Um I thought the 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 confrontation that Jess and Luke had at the end of the episode mm-hmm. was uncalled for but also necessary. Like mm, what do you mean uncalled for? So it's clear that Jess is like super angry emo kid. Oh right? yeah. I, I could have told you that before he spoke a single line. No, for sure. Like, we get it. He was super angry emo kid in season two. Like, I understand. It's his brand. I get it. Blah, blah, blah. Like, your uncle's just trying to tell you not to shove a girl in the closet. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, yeah, you mean, like, uncalled for on Jess's part. Yeah. Okay. I heard talking about, like, uncalled for that Luke, like, approached him about... No, I mean, uncalled for that he, like, he's sitting there calling Luke out for doing everything for Lorelai, but not dating her. I mean, is he wrong, though? No, that's why I said it was kind of necessary. Yeah, so... I don't know ne- I don't know if necessary is the right word, but you know what I mean. Like, it's definitely... Everything he said was definitely true. Yeah, and, like, no offense to Luke or Butch Danes, because we all know that he, he gives everyone the shirt off his back and tries his best to fix everything, quote-unquote, um... But, like, no offense to, you know, any Luke diehards, but he's not a good parent. And he's and obviously he's not Jess's parent, but, like, he's no, not... Listen, good. he's not a good parent because nobody starts off being a parent when the kid is already 17. No. So, of course he's not a good parent. He doesn't know how to be a parent. Exactly. However... Like, yes, go ahead. What I'll I will say is that yes. he did try. It's just that, like, Jess wasn't willing to work with him and that's the thing like that's the the angry emo personality you know what i mean but i will still i will still marry him regardless it's fine i know you would god (laughs) damn it we have one conversation where you don't express your love for him no i was literally like drooling over the screen as i was watching it just move along (laughs) so shall we circle back around to uh lane dyeing her hair yeah let's do it so I love how fake the hair looks, even though it's like... it's so funny. Like, in what universe do you dye your hair purple and it looks that perfect? (laughs) 
Especially after you're just running around the block with bleach in your hair. <laughs> no, it's like that, I feel like that's part of the joke. Is that like you know she's not gonna last. God. Um, I like her. Her. I like the anger leading up to it though. Yeah, she's like so willing to make a rebellion and like. Yeah, she's like, don't open the window. I want my mother to smell the bleach when she comes in and know that everything's wrong. Like I liked her. She was on a good train. You know what I mean. And then as soon as the door opened and Mrs. Kim was home, it was like the fear of God rushed to her face. Nope, we're done. <laughs> Go get black hair dye. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm kind of glad she had that moment, though. Yes, because, like, like you were saying before, it's, at this point in the show, it's such a rare instance where we get to see, like, Lane actually at least attempting to take control of her own narrative. Yeah, that, and it's also, you know, sometimes when you're very angry (laughs) and instead of doing something rash, you just, like, scream into a pillow. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I do it all the time, by the way. Also, my other technique, which I told Jeffrey about, which is really, really good, Mm -hmm. it doesn't apply anymore because I don't live with my mother anymore, but now, when I used to live with my mother and she used to piss me off, I used to get into my car. Am I talking really fast? (laughs) That's that's why our... Social media bios are a fast-talking podcast. Okay, sorry. I'm going to slow it down. <laughs> I used to live with my mother. <laughs> and she would piss me off sometimes. And I would get in my car, open up the notes app on my phone, <laughs> and put the dictation thing on. <laughs> and just yell into my phone. <laughs> oh. And then read it back to myself. <laughs> and I would feel so much better. I hear it's therapeutic now. It's so therapeutic, guys. <laughs> Where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. So, you know, when you do something else to not do the, the most rash thing? Yeah. I feel like this was Lane that. Obviously. And, like, she wanted she wanted to, like... So, like, in theory, she wanted to shock her mother. Yeah, but I feel like if she didn't dye her hair... And then, like, change it back right away. But if she didn't dye her hair in the first place... Yeah. Yeah, I know, I'm thinking. <laughs> long, long pause. Long pause. That's what, the, that's what the podcast should be called, long pause. Um, if she hadn't dyed her hair and her mother was home right away, I feel like everything was just going to spill out of her. Yeah. You know what exactly. I mean? So the like, dyeing the hair was almost like the getting in your car and yelling into your app. <laughs> yes, better to yell into your phone slash dye your hair than, like, punch your mother in the face. Yeah, or, like, reveal your rock and roll records. And the fact that you're in a band. <laughs> True. So, um, it was very cathartic. But, before we move on, isn't it not convenient that, like, Mrs. Kim is clearly so good at repressing and ignoring things that make her uncomfortable? Because later in season three, in the climactic uh, house party episode, yeah. does she not drunken, drunkenly call her mother and reveal she's in a band and, like, Mrs. Kim pretends it never happened? Yeah, but we're not going to talk about that now. Why are you skipping ahead? Okay, because, like, parallels. Yeah, but later. Foreshadowing. Do parallels backwards. Okay. <laughs> um, the last thing I want to talk about in this episode was Rory. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about bloaty. No, no. Well, I mean, it kind of ties in. I feel like but, bloaty should be a word. I'm sorry. No. Go away. <laughs> um, yeah, so the last thing I want to talk about is when Rory is in the beauty salon. Okay, first of all, I wrote two things down. I'm all over the place today. I don't understand. 
Number one that I wanted to really get off my chest is why does Rory walk around in her uniform? Like after, like... Yeah, like after school. Because like maybe she hasn't gone home yet. I couldn't wait to take that bitch off when I came home. Okay, I can't relate because I never went to a private school. I was in the fucking doorway, like shirt off, bra, like it was just, no. What is this shit? Maybe she likes it. Like you're pretentious. Well, that's that's a given. Want to show everyone at Stars Hollow High that you go to Chilton now? No, honestly, I feel like just I feel like she just doesn't mind it and hasn't gone home yet. Like yeah, I don't. Like logically, it's because she just got off the bus, kind of thing. But it still annoys me. And and you're allowed to be annoyed because you went to a private school and had to wear oh, a uniform. So annoying. Whereas I did not, so I truly can't relate. So I won't say anymore. No, I was like, just go home and take it off. Anyways. <laughs> Um, that was number one. Number two, I like how Rory in the the first time they go to the beauty salon with Lane and Toe, I love when she's all like, you can't dye your hair, no, 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 no. And then like, she's finally like, okay, what color do you want? Yeah. Like, I love how she knows it's a terrible idea, but she's going to support her friend no matter what. Yeah. That was a really good move, Rory. I feel like she always has, I feel like they always have each other's back, more or less. Yeah. And that's why I love that friendship, for real. I know a lot of people, there's been debate about like, what the better friendship is. Is it Rory and Paris or is it Rory and Lane? They're different. Yeah, to me, you can't compare at all. No. But I do love the fact that they always had each other's backs. Even when Rory moved away, even when, you know, Lane eventually got married, I do love that they always stayed close. Yes, agreed. And then the last thing is, when Rory goes back to the salon. Bloaty. Salon? Beauty shop? I don't know what the fuck it is. I think it's a beauty shop, because the salon is where you actually like, have have work done. Okay, whatever. Um, and she, like, catches... Shane catches. She, like, overhears Shane on the phone with who is clearly Jess. Mm-hmm. And she just throws a fit. <laughs> like, the biggest fit ever. Wouldn't... I mean, I kind of... Obviously, there's bias because she's, like, dating the guy that Roy clearly likes. But, like, clearly... If you like him, go Go for it. (laughs) Uh, Clearly wasn't a business call. Have to agree. Yeah, okay. Oh, my God. Really? (laughs) Really? (laughs) I mean, Shane's not a very good cashier, I have to say. I mean, I'm not saying I'm cashier of the year. (laughs) I'm not Can saying I'm cashier to you. No. However, if you threw a fit at me, I'd be like, see ya. <laughs> My God. Because it's just like it that combined with like, remember when she's dyeing Lane's hair and Lane's talking about how she wants what Rory and Dean have? <laughs> yeah, clearly. But you know, like she's so uncomfortable in that moment because it's clear she doesn't even like Dean anymore. Yes. And can I just say why does everybody in Stars Hollow pretend like or act like Dean and Rory are supposed to mate for life? I don't know. They're not like, penguins, goddammit. Ugh. I don't know. It's it's really bizarre that the t- the whole town is so invested in this seventeen year old's relationship. And then when she and then when she does start dating Jess, it's like, oh, she's dating Jess. Like, yeah, but they're also really involved in her kissing. Ugh. They need hobbies. Maybe just, everyone in Starlight really hobbies. Do. They really do. Um, okay, so if you don't agree that she threw a fit, I guess we could move on. I mean, I don't not agree. It's just like... <laughs> uh, 
wait, I just throw a fit over just two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, get out of the way, bitch. You're in the way. Like, that's pretty much what I would say. But I'm, I, I would like to emphasize what I've already said previously. Yes. You had your chance. I did. He's not real. Don't don't push that in my face. Not you. <laughs> Talking about Rory. Focus. Yeah. Like, I can't focus. He's too pretty. Oh my god. We're not getting anywhere in this episode. <gasps> no, I know what you mean. Like she's like, had so many chances. Chance. Like he came, he came back for you. You kissed him. You could have just said like, I don't like Dean anymore. Let's do this shit. He was yeah. not gonna wait for you. Nope. Fucking dick. <laughs> I know. I no. I do agree that she's had. She at this point she's had so many chances, and she's now she's throwing a she's throwing a fit, and it's but like uh. You, you have no reason to be mad. I mean, okay, fine. A teenage girl always has a reason to be mad. We're very angsty. But, like, you... It's so annoying. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know how else to say it. I don't know how else to convey how annoyed I am with her. Yeah, like, I know what you mean. You can't, you're just, you're just going to live your life, like, always being mad when you can literally be doing something about it? <laughs> and, pers- and, like... Just to be fair, Roy doesn't ever actually do anything about it. It's Dean, like, it's Dean who gives her the push. Everything's done for her. Oh, Rory. Oh my God. Okay, let's move on because. Like, are we actually surprised that she becomes such a brat in the end? I mean, no, but I under- listen. I understand needing a push sometimes. Mm-hmm. There's definitely people in my life that push me to do things. Um, but... I can be very passive sometimes. I understand. But if there's something that I can be doing that's going to improve my mood, <laughs> more often than not, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. This is just too extreme. Mm-hmm. Anyways, okay, let's move on, because just like the masks, I could talk about this all day. <laughs> Episode 5, 8 o'clock at the Oasis. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about the opening scene? Because I want your opinion on something. On uh, Luke being uptight about public breastfeeding? Yeah, so... <laughs> Or he calls it lactating. <laughs> so fucking gross, Luke. Um, yeah, I just want your opinion on this because I've had conversations with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, my cousin, one of my cousins is a doula. Oh my god, really? Yeah. How did I not know that? My, my cousin's girlfriend is a doula. I call her my cousin, whatever. Funny. <laughs> but um, my, mm, yeah, my brother and I have had conversations about breastfeeding in public. Yes. That involved me grabbing my boob at the table. Mm-hmm. So that didn't end well. Um, so I would like to know somebody else's opinion on breastfeeding in public. So I disagree with Luke, obviously, because his is rooted in, like, I'm not going to say misogyny, but, like, misogyny card, I'm playing it. Um, because, he like, he makes the case that, like, oh, and, you know, when I was young, women didn't do that, and blah blah blah, and like can that's. We, can we? Sorry, can I shit on his examples a little bit? Yeah. They went to a barn or a cave. Mm-hmm. What era were you living in? I know. Oh my god. I think. I mean, I'm not. I'm not gonna say I don't like 100% disagree with what he's saying. Like, I get it's awkward to to like see that in public. However. Like I'm not if I, if I were to see that in public, I'd be like I would obviously turn away. I wouldn't want to like stare at it, but obviously, but like I wouldn't be a, I, like I wouldn't object to it. Like I wouldn't oppose. Like obviously, you have to feed your child, kind of thing. Yeah, so I think that's 
what get lost. In, that's what gets lost in all this. Yeah. You're feeding a baby. Like, I, yeah, I think You're it's... You're not like, just pulling out a tit for fun. Like, I think moral panic surrounding public breastfeeding is more rooted in you're scared of seeing a boob in public than you're scared than you're scared of accepting like a mother is feeding her child. No, so here's the thing. I disagree because I don't think people are scared of seeing a boob in public. <laughs> because no. 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 If if a boob wasn't being used for its real purpose, which is feeding a child. Yes. I don't think any man would object to seeing a boob in public. True. It's the fact that somebody's using it for something other than fun times. <laughs> that they object to. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll have to give you that one. Because let's be honest, sex sells. Yeah. And they have no problem looking at women in lingerie, looking at boobs. Like, you know, that's not the issue. Boobs are not the issue. No, the you're issue right. Is that somebody is sucking on this boob for food, <laughs> and it's no fun for you anymore. Yeah, you're 100% right. I couldn't have said it better myself. That's definitely what it is. Yeah, so... When I had this argument with my brother, my brother, it's because my, my cousin, the cousin who's the doula was talking to me about how, was talking to us about how my other cousin um, had just had a baby and went out with the baby. And she saw another mother in a cafe breastfeeding. Yeah. Cover on. Mm-hmm. And so she was, no, she didn't have a cover on. Excuse me. She didn't have a cover on, but you know, the baby's face was hiding everything. Yeah. Um. So then my brother was, so the doula cousin was like, that's fine. Like, she's allowed to breastfeed her child. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then my brother was like, no, that's gross. Go in the bathroom. Na, na, na. And I'm like, my brother also does this a lot where he's like, oh, what's next? Shitting on the table? Oh, my God. Those are two very different things. Yeah. yeah. Um. So it was just like a whole funny conversation where I'm like, Perry, I'm not taking my tit and shoving it in your face. Like, can you relax? <laughs> I'm not saying here suck. Like, it's, anyways, whatever. So I just think that, um, by the way, for any Canadian listeners, breastfeeding is protected in our constitution. True. So um, nobody is allowed to tell you that you can't breastfeed in public. Yeah. And here's the thing. You don't necessarily know when your baby's going to be hungry. <laughs> no. And there's not necessarily always a bathroom. And for people saying, well, then they should just stay home. Fuck you. <laughs> And, like, just to make clear, I don't agree with Luke in the sense that, like, you should, or, or your brother in that, in the sense that, like, oh, take her to the bathroom. Like, oh, what's next? Ugh. Like, you're, one, you're 100% right when you say you have, like, men have issues with seeing boobs being used for something other than sex appeal. Yeah. Because it's only, it's, most of the time, it's usually only men you see objecting to public breastfeeding. And any women who object to it, I'm sorry, that's internalized misogyny. Yeah. And so, if, in case it wasn't clear, I don't agree with Luke or your brother, but, like, I like obviously I, I would not, like, react like that and say, like, ugh, take it to the bathroom. Like, yeah, I but you're just of... saying, yeah, like, you wouldn't react like Jess, who comes down and immediately covers his eyes and runs in disgust? No, I think it would be somewhere in between, like, yeah, oh, okay, and turn away. I think even you, like, I understand what you're saying, because when a woman breastfeeds in public, it's not that I'm disgusted, but I always look away, number one, to give them privacy. Because it must be shitty having your boob out. <laughs> yes. In front of all these people. Oh, don't get me wrong. Some people don't care. But like, and number two, just because, just because I don't want to look at it doesn't mean it's gross. You know what I mean? No. And I also feel that people like maybe me or you that are just like, oh, makes us a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. That's also internalized misogyny. 
Yes, we like, can. We we could like pick apart our own lives all day. Yeah, that's that's also. But I what I mean to say is like even though you know you shouldn't, it shouldn't make you. Even though me like I know it shouldn't make me uncomfortable for all the reasons I just named. Mm-hmm. Like not even this. Certain things just irk me sometimes, and I really have to check myself and be like, why does this bother me? Does it bother me because it bothers me, or does it bother me because all my life people have been telling me it should bother me? I very much advocate for asking yourself, why does this bother me, and like kind of checking in with yourself and make maybe changing or educating yourself on different issues. I think we talked about this before when we were talking about female versus male actors. Yes. And talking about how, like, you were saying that you always check yourself and it's like, why don't I like this actress? Is it because I actually don't like her acting style or is it because I've been taught to hate female actresses or comedians? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I do the same thing sometimes where I'm like, ugh, don't like her. And then I'm like, do I actually don't like her, though? Yeah. And sometimes the answer is yes. I actually just, it's not my taste. And sometimes I have to think really hard and be like, why don't I like her? Mm-hmm. Anyways, I will always hate Tom Cruise, though. Please don't. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about this neighbor named Dwight. Yes. But in, one more thing about the breastfeeding. Oh, yes. Tell me. In conclusion to the breastfeeding argument, um, perhaps my discomfort is also rooted in the fact that in case it wasn't clear, I don't enjoy looking at breasts. So maybe, yeah. (laughs) Do with that what you will. Next. Next. So let's talk about this neighbor. Um, If that was my neighbor, I would never leave the house. Oh, my God. (laughs) This man. Like, the scene where where Lorelai comes rushing back home, like, no, get in the house. No no talking to everybody again, ever. Never go outside. (laughs) He's too much. But then can I just say, after you hear that voicemail from his wife, <laughs> you realize it could be so much worse. Clearly. I think they both have a bit of a of a, a board game addiction. Like, I want my board games back. Yeah, but I can relate. I have a lot of board games, too. <laughs> so I can relate to that. But she sounds like a fucking nutcase. Perhaps they found each other. Kindred spirits. Yeah. Well, he seems much more normal than she does. He's still kind of a whack job, though. Yeah, but I feel like his whack job is more because... Look at us, like, details with secondary characters. <laughs> I feel like his kind of whack job is because he escaped Doris. Yes. And he's just so happy to be away from Doris. Doris. I forgot her name. Yeah, well, I didn't. <laughs> and now he's just like, oh, my God, my own little oasis away from that fucking wackadoodle. True. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hmm. I'm sure if we, like, asked Amy Sherman-Palladino, she's like, you guys thought about this way too much? Of it was course. just a fucking secondary character. <laughs> That's why she's never coming on our podcast. Well, that and other reasons. <laughs> um, so Lorelai goes to an auction. Yes. And meets John Hamm. Right. A very different-looking John Hamm. Yeah, still pretty cute, though. Cuter then than he is now. Really? Eh, I don't really... I'm not really into John Hamm, like present day back then i could have been i could have been into that (laughs) did you watch mad men no okay did you yeah i feel like a lot of his allure comes from mad men yeah for sure i mean i've seen bits and pieces of it it wasn't never really like grabbed me but you know the thing about mad men is very weird that it's it's one of those shows where you watch the first couple of episodes and you're intrigued Mm -hmm. but there's no real storyline yeah. I mean, there is, but it's one of those shows that's very slow storyline, slow build kind of thing. 
Mm-hmm. And plot happens in maybe like 40% of the episodes. And the other half is very art and the other 60% is very artistic and it's beautiful, but you're like, you find yourself in season seven going, why am I still watching this shit? <laughs> and that's why like, it, that's probably why it's why it won so many like accolades was because it was very artsy. Yeah. But or I tried to be artsy. Yeah, it was meant to, well, it's an advertising agency. So yeah, they were meant to be artsy, but it's also like, I was watching, I watched it before my brother when it was on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And then one day I came home and my brother was watching it and I'm like, oh, you're watching Mad Men. I'm like, how do you like it? And he's like, it's fucking weird. They do these things sometimes that I don't understand. So then as an example, we were watching an episode and Don Draper, the main character played by John Hamm, moves into an apartment mm-hmm. and his neighbors, and this is the kind of weird shit I'm talking about. His neighbors across the street, across the hallway from him were an elderly couple. Yeah. And the husband is sitting in the doorway while the wife is coming up the stairs with groceries. Mm-hmm. He just keeps saying, repeating over and over again, did you buy pears? Did you buy pears? <laughs> Not answering him. And then when she finally gets to the door, she goes, get in the house. We'll talk about it later or something like that. And then the door closes. End of episode. <laughs> what is this and i and i got it i was like yeah i get what you mean i don't know what this means yeah and I, I, I totally know what you mean in terms of like those those certain like cable television series where it's uh, like artsier than a network show say and it's you can tell like critics love it because it's like you know edgier and oh it goes deeper and even though People watch it and they're like, what? No, listen, I can understand like certain parts of it. They did go deeper and edgier and whatever. And I totally got it. I don't understand what this pear scene was, though. (laughs) And it's not like in every episode there was something like that where you're like, what the fuck? Is it me? Am I the fucking idiot? Or just sometimes I'm convinced they put shit like that in to confuse us. Yeah, no, they probably do. Like, there's (laughs) definitely. They're like these fucking idiots. I got them. Didn't I think the Sopranos kind of did that sort of thing a lot, too, didn't they? Yeah, but you know what? At least the Sopranos had more plot. Yeah. You were more invested in the characters, I found. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was much more psychological than this was. Yeah. I had a similar experience that you had with Mad Men with Sex in the City, mm-hmm. which I haven't seen in its completion because it's just, it's, I find it very difficult to watch. It's too much, yeah. It's just, but it's like, it's difficult in the sense that I don't, I can't follow it. And it's like, I can't follow it because it's too dumb, which I should probably articulate myself better. But like, I just don't really get it because if they're half, they're half hour episodes, but they act like they're, but they act like it's a drama and then they act like it's a comedy. And like, I guess that's the whole point, but it's like, pick a lane. I can't follow this, you know? But I also feel like Sex and the City is very hard to relate to. Yeah. And I'm, and like, I'm not... Yeah. Grown ass rich women living in Manhattan talking about shoes and sex. Like Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Obviously I obviously I tried watching it because I know it's very popular among gay men, but I don't really get it. I don't get it either. Have you heard the have you seen the Carrie Bradshaw coronavirus thing? No. So you know Carrie Bradshaw was always like narrating her Oh my gosh, yes, I've seen that. I just, okay. yeah. So for those of you who haven't seen it. It's Carrie Bradshaw typing, and you know she always narrates her pieces for Vogue or wherever the fuck she writes for. Yeah. And she's like, and as New York got ready to, what was it, open state, what is it? Um, uh, as they got ready to be open. 
or open phase three or whatever the fuck it is referring to the coronavirus. She's like, I couldn't help but wonder, is it time to focus on phase me? Yeah. <laughs> it's like people are fucking clever. <laughs> that is really clever. Because that's, that's totally something that she would write. Yeah, I know. God. Anyways, yeah, they, they, they tried very hard to be deep, too, when it really wasn't sometimes. And my my interest in Sex in the City was also um, inspired by the the prequel series that I really loved that was on a few years ago called The Carrie Diaries. Mm-hmm. I never saw that. Did you like it? That show deserves so much better. It was canceled after two seasons. I really loved it. It was like, I don't think it was in any way the same as Sex in the City. I think they just borrowed a couple of characters and like made it into a whole like show about their youth. Because I know there was a lot of critics who were like, this is this is an insult to Sex and the City's legacy. But wow. tell me, was it supposed to be? Um, because I don't know much about it. Was it supposed to be like her and her youth, really, or was it supposed to be like a younger um, version of it? It was no. It was, it was supposed to be about Carrie Bradshaw as a teenager. I just think that like, and it was pretty. I think it was pretty accurate because it was based on the book series by the author of the original Sex and the City. So I think the original author like like conceived it that way but I think I don't I think just some people didn't like it but I very much enjoyed it and miss it very much and wish it was on DVD but it's not but it was on the American Netflix apparently last year and I'm like why has it not come to Canada hello yeah I don't understand how American and Canadian Netflix works but I'm still angry (laughs) um okay so she goes and she meets John Hamm Yes. What's his real name? Peyton Sanders? Yes. And so the premise is she wants his number because they really hit it off. (laughs) But the only person who has his number is one Emily Gilmore. I mean, she does try her best to get it without Emily. And she says this whole thing about Shamu. Oh, so desperate. (laughs) It's like, uh, Lorelai, just hang up the phone. Hang up the phone. You're making a fool of yourself, madam. (laughs) <laughs> but um yeah so she has to get the number from emily rory's encouraging her to ask emily for the number and the smug look on emily's face is just too much because you know that like emily's now like hmm, i have all the power now exactly she is also seduced by the power oh yes aren't we all well yeah but <laughs> <laughs> um she is enjoying it way too much. Yes, but also I kind of sympathize with Emily in these moments. Not later when she tries to force her daughter on a date with a weirdo. Yeah. But, or a self-obsessed man. But <laughs> I, I, like, I sympathize in the moments where it's like the, the daughter who ran away from her now needs her help. And she's like, hmm. Yeah, so here's the make thing. this worth my while. Yeah, so here's the thing. Strangely, I think it's like really fun... Like, I think Emily thinks, like, it's a bonding opportunity, kind of. It backfires. Well, that. But not not bonding. Maybe I'm using the wrong word. But, like, more of a, I don't know, like, her daughter's coming back into her world kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So I think that's why she enjoys it so much. And let's be honest, she wouldn't mind if her daughter ended up with somebody from her world, right? No. Exactly. So there's that. (laughs) But more than anything, I just I think she just loves making her squirm. For sure. Because like I think all mothers like making their children squirm. Yeah. More or less. Yeah. But 
anyways, so that was really fun. <laughs> but what's not fun, my love, <laughs> is what comes later. And what comes later? What comes later is a shitstorm. <laughs> because they go on this date, and apparently it's terrible. And Lorelai does not want to go on another date with him. Mm-hmm. But she must because her mother wants tea. <laughs> Did I get that right? Yeah. Pretty much, right? That's yeah. Like. Emily's world is like a cult. Emily's world is ridiculous. And I like the fact that Richard says, of course, it's insane. But that's what she wants. Yeah. I'm like, oh, at least he knows his wife is being fucking bananas right now. <laughs> I don't even think it's more or less like Emily herself is bananas. She's just like so tied to the social world that is bananas. Oh my god. I just, I, (laughs) I can't, like for something as petty as a cup of tea, you're going to force your daughter to go on a date with a guy that she's not interested in. Just so you won't offend who at this point? I don't understand. Offend his mother, apparently. Oh, my God. Because, like, they have tea, and then, oh, your daughter didn't like my son. I don't like you, because this is the fourth grade. Oh, my God. It's too much. It is. Much like Mrs. Kim, it is too much. Yeah. This is, this is like, guilt on another level. Like, listen, I'm Greek, so I know the guilt. <laughs> this is something, though. Like, do you mean something in the sense that she does like Emily doesn't care about what her daughter like sacrifices her own daughter for the, like a cup of tea. I mean, <laughs> yes, and also like I don't even know what to say anymore. <laughs> I just think time. it's so petty. <laughs> like it, they didn't hit it off, and because you're gonna get served the second cup of tea. Long pause. Um, yes, I do. Like, obviously, it's it's crazy. Like, Richard is right when he's like, of course it's insane. It is insane. Like, <laughs> agreed. Everybody can see that it's insane. But, like, there's no changing Emily Gilmore at this point, you know? Of course not. But, I mean, uh, I know. It's like, it's, don't prostitute your daughter for a cup of tea. But also, that being said, like, suck it up and go to a bully concert. Okay, pick a lane. No, no, hold on. Not for your mother. For you. <laughs> go to so both concert because you love Bowie. Okay, yeah. Let's be honest, you're not going to talk during the concert. True. I mean, I think it's saying something if Lorelai is saying, I don't want to go to any concert with this yeah, guy. Yeah, so. definitely. I think it's really shitty. It was really shitty if she said no to a Bowie concert. You know what I mean? Yeah. Would have loved to be a, to been a fly on the wall uh, during their date. Yeah, seriously. Well, she knew everything about his car, so... Eh. I guess he wasn't anything special. What would be a date deal breaker for you? Um... Like, would it, like let's say you're having a nice time, whatever, and somebody says something... And you're like, nope, fuck this shit. What is that something? I think it would be, like, maybe, like, too caught up in someone's looks. Like, you know, like if maybe not, like, a conversational deal breaker. But if it's, like, if, if it's clear to me that you you care more about, like, how 
the person you're dating looks or how you're like if you're too vain then i feel like that's a deal breaker for me got it interesting what about you i don't know i think with everything going on in the world if you're like all lives matter okay well that's a deal breaker for anything like romantic or otherwise like don't don't even touch me (laughs) get away from me (laughs) uh no but i think um I don't know. I think if it's clear that you guys have nothing in common, like Lorelai was saying, then what's the point of trying harder, as Emily says? Yeah. Like, I'm not going to magically start giving a fuck about wine and cars. No. And I think I think Emily also wants to... She, I think she wants, obviously, like you said, to have her daughter be with someone in her world, because, you know, at least she had a husband to kill. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> I think I think Emily just kind of like she she mistakes her own intentions like she wants obviously wants her daughter to be happy but then it's like well no I need that tea and it's like what do you you care more about your tea or your daughter like okay but at the same time I was like I was kind of annoyed that Lorelai apologized because she has nothing to apologize for obviously you didn't hit it off with him but so I was annoyed at the I was more annoyed at the fact that Emily was being so petty at Friday night dinner that they mm-hmm. couldn't enjoy a Friday night dinner. Yeah, she was being so petty so that like Lorelai was forced to apologize for not liking a guy. Same thing happened in in, in episode one when they when she calls them the minute they get in the door. It's like it's rude to not call someone when they get home. Like, and then it got me thinking like, do you blame your daughter for not wanting to be part of your world? <laughs> Perhaps. Imagine if she's a 35-year-old woman and you're doing this shit. I can't even... And, like, she she doesn't answer to you. She lives on her own. Like, you know what I mean? And you still have this much control over her life. Imagine what it was like for 16-year-old Lorelai who had no choice. Yeah. Oh, it's very clear. Like, I, there's no question for me. But I feel like it just becomes more cemented in my mind in this episode. Yes, this episode, like, yeah. You're being so ridiculous and she's a grown-ass woman. Imagine what you were like when she was a child and you had to force her to do stuff. Well, hold on to that thought as we soon approach the flashback episode. Yeah, I know. Let's, yeah, yeah. Um, Can we talk about the sprinkler scene? Yes, I was just about to say. Rory goes to water Dwight's lawn. Dwight. He says every blade of grass needs to be soaked in moisture. <laughs> For the first couple of days. Oh and boy. there was a heat wave rolling through Stars Hollow. So instead of watering it twice a day for 15 minutes, they had to water it three times a day for 10 minutes. But it was okay because it amounted to the same amount of time. <laughs> Did I get that all? Oh my god. Who cares? I mean, that, but that was my point exactly. Who gives a fuck, Dwight? <laughs> oh. oh my god. And his African violets inside his house. Ugh, but who does that? Who's like, can you water my lawn? And no, then you go water your lawn and you, find, and you find a car that's like... For 12 years. Yeah. And they asked me to. I still think it was weird, but I feel obligated to say yes. Ugh. You literally just told me your name. I know. Ooh. Well, yeah, it's one thing if like you, you've you known them for so long. It's like, oh, okay, I guess. But now it's like, you just met this man. Uh, take two giant steps back once more. Anyway, so the sprinklers get stuck, and Rory pages Dean, but Dean is not answering. 
So she goes into town to try and find someone. Mm-hmm. And who does she come across? Oh, this is, one of my fav- <laughs> this is one of my favorite Jess and Roy scenes, just, just to be clear. Let's make that sound again for me one more time. Oh. Who does he find? Who does she find? She finds my husband. Okay. Oh. <laughs> and he's not real. I know Jeffrey. I know. And he doesn't look like that anymore. I know. This was 2002. Oh. <laughs> maybe okay. I would have had a shot in 2002. You wouldn't have had a shot? I said maybe I would have had a shot in 2002. My love, how old were you in 2002? <laughs> Five. Okay, so shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> My God, I would have had a shot as a five-year-old. Oh my God, you're so funny. Okay, so Jess runs to runs to the rescue, I guess, to go turn off the sprinklers. And much like the scene in the earlier episode where Lane's hair is clearly fake, yeah, this scene where they're instantly drenched in four seconds, also very fake. Yeah, also, they, and, and like they probably filmed it like so many times that it was like maybe the first time they had a light drizzle. Yeah, 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 like they're drenched. But like he literally just walks into the sprinklers and goes keep and it's off and he's drenched. Yeah, he's dripping. I'm not. I'm not opposed to him dripping. Though, I so. know you're not a bros. Do the sound again. Mm. <laughs> Is that gonna be the new intro to the podcast? Just me going. Mm. <laughs> so funny. Anyways, so um, they have this lovely little conversation with the classic Gilmore Girls guitar lullaby in the background. La, 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 la. No, there was no la, la, la's. I know. It was just, it was just them talking. Yes, it was. And him saying, still going to do the whole Harvard thing? And she says, yes. And let me just tell you that's such a refreshing contrast to fucking motherfucking Dean. And that's what I was going to point out, because that's part of why this is one of my favorite Rory and Jess scenes. And many people many people in the fandom have already pointed out this, what I'm about to say, um, is, you know, in season two, the beginning of season two, when Rory's going to do build the house, because all of a sudden she's behind, her, behind on her extracurriculars. And building together. Building together, yes. Um, and Dean basically throws a fix. It's like, I can't even hang out with my girlfriend. She's always busy. And she, I could he, care less about Harvard. Yes, exactly. He says the words, I could care less about Harvard. And Jess then says, still going to do the whole Harvard thing. And like that to me right there, if, if anybody is still wondering, that to me is why Jess is better. Okay? It's real love. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, by the way, when people say could care less, that's grammatically incorrect. Of course. Well, Dean Dean is a village idiot, so... Yeah, well... I mean, but Rory says it a couple times, too. And I think it's just that Amy Sherman Palladino doesn't know the difference. Okay, I don't think she wrote every script. Okay, well... Somebody... <laughs> Rich oversaw every script, okay, but... Anyways... Yeah, so I think this is a really good example of why Dean was never good for Rory. Yeah. Um, not just why Jess was better than Dean, why Dean was not good for Rory. Because your boyfriend is supposed to support your decision, especially one that means that you're smart and you're going to an Ivy League school. And I'm pretty sure, like, Rory made, made at least in the beginning, she made clear to everybody who she met, like, I'm going to Harvard. So Dean could not have played down and been like, oh, I didn't know it was that important to you. Like, anybody who knew Rory from seasons one to three knew how important 
that was to her. Oh, yeah. So it was a very, very cute moment. Um, it just goes to show that even though they're very mad at each other, um, he still supports her. I feel like they were, I feel like it was just like petty, petty, mad, yeah, like anger. petty mad at each other. They're teenage mad at each other, whatever. Yeah, because as soon as like, as soon as Jess realizes she's like in a pickle, he's like, he drops everything and runs. Goes in. Yes, I mean, he didn't have much in his hands, but like he drops everything and he goes in. Yeah, book. So that's enough. <laughs> no, I get it. I think, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, it was a very cute moment and clearly shows that Dean was not right for her. No, he was not. And as of this recording, I am currently rewatching season five and I am being put through the torture of their brief reunion. Oh, just skip out. <laughs> I'm trying to like take a deep breath so I don't like, you know, explode all of my feelings about seasons five and beyond into the podcast yet because <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have very loaded feelings about five, six, and seven dear listeners so buckle your seat belts we mean that <laughs> make sure they're do you want to sure they're securely fastened yeah anything um, else i think that's it for these episodes did you have anything else you wanted to say um no so uh where can they follow us they can follow us at gilmore podcast on instagram wrong twitter excuse me Oh, it's been a year and a half. One day I'll get it. (laughs) Gilmore Girls Podcast on Instagram, Gilmore Podcast on Twitter. Yes, and where can they email us? GilmorePodcast at gmail.com. Yes, and I just wanted to also give a shout out to Laura, who uh, messaged me on Instagram a few days ago after listening to last week's episode and said that she's very into uh, my book idea and that if I ever want to collaborate with her, she's in. So uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much for that sweet message. And I will do the research as the librarian. <laughs> yes, I'm going to put it to work. Like, do all of my research. Yeah. <laughs> so, thank you very much. Yes. We will yes. see you next week. As we dive into the rest of season three. So, again, make sure your seatbelts are securely fastened. And make sure your mask is over your face. Over your nose. Over your nose as well. If I see you in public with your nose, with a mask, not covering your nose, I, f- I reserve the right to smack you, okay? He won't do it, though. I won't do it, though, because I'm disgusted by you, so I turn away. But in my head, I'm smacking you a thousand times. But just know his blood pressure will rise, and uh, he won't be able to stop thinking about it for the rest of the day. I will not. Yep. So please do it. <laughs> All right. So, see you guys. Yes, thank you for listening. Bye.